I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You're listening to The Leaf Report with Canadian Press National Hockey writer Jonas Siegel and the Athletic TO's James Myrtle. Hello, James. It is the end of the season. This is, I guess, the end of season podcast. Yeah, I won't, report podcast. I won't say playoffs again. Yeah, you can until next year, <laughs> unless, unless maybe they don't get into the playoffs. Yeah. Well, so let's. Uh, okay, so the podcast obviously is brought to you by Babsocks. Visit babsocks.ca. Uh, let's start. Kind of. Those are nice ones. I haven't seen those ones yet. These ones are Movember, so Babcock has a giant duster, a giant mustache. I would that would be interesting to see him grow one of those. I can't see. It that looks happening. amazing on the sock. Yeah, it looks good. Um, so Babcock, speaking of him, and Lula Morello were selling a pretty consistent message at the end of their season availability. It's all about managing the media. It's managing expectations, and so they basically came out and said. Uh, playoffs will be difficult for the team to make next year. Like it's not just an assumption, like we think of with like Chicago and whoever. Do you think, buy that, or do yeah, you think that's spin? I, I think that's right. Don't you? It's hard yeah. to make the playoffs. Well, just Tampa like, look at the and team. Florida okay, so you mentioned teams are going to be coming. You mentioned Tampa. Tampa's a good example. Toronto had one more point than them. They had a million injuries. They had one more point. Right. Toronto had basically no injuries. Like. You look at their season, almost nothing went wrong. Like, name five things that went wrong. Their fourth-line center was bad for half the year. The bottom of their defense was, wasn't was great for but we parts knew of that. the year. But we knew that. Their backup goalie situation was a little wobbly wow. at times. And Roth imploding was surprising. But, but what there else? wasn't There wasn't much. Yeah. No. So, you don't, you don't think it's crazy? No, no. They definitely could miss the playoffs next year. Yeah. But, I, I like, if we had to make a bet, we would say they'd are probably going to make it. I mean, it really depends what they do. I would say that if they don't make it, it would be a disappointment. Right. So Because the kids are going to get better, right? Yeah, well, I was talking to Leo Komarov at the end of season thing, and that was one of the points that he made, that now you're going to have these young guys who have played in the league, they're yeah. smarter, they know how to play, they should be better. But there's also a chance that they fall off a little bit. Like that happens. Matthews misses half the year. Or you never like. It's interesting. Edmonton's instructive in that they had a really young team, but McDavid and Clefbaum both missed half the year last year, and they were bottom feeder again. And they picked third overall this year. Those guys are healthy, and they bring in a couple different pieces. And 
now they're they're still playing. They're one of the final eight teams. Well, and that's all it takes. Like for significant, and this was kind of part of Babcock's point is that if they had the injuries that Tampa had, they would miss. Like they wouldn't be able to survive that. They just don't have the depth internally. And his point was they need to keep adding to yeah. their their system. And well, I think he, that's right. Their goal was to eventually be like a Washington or a Pittsburgh, and they're definitely not there yet. Right. They're not automatic for the playoffs yet. No. Although in the NHL, is almost almost no one's automatic for the playoffs. Maybe like Washington, two or three teams. Pittsburgh. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Like I mean, even LA, we think of as like automatic. They've missed a couple times out in the first round last year. The level of this parity. Year. I know we say this every year, but this year I've never seen it like this. Like I, I have no idea who the best. I mean, I guess Washington's the best team, but I don't. Do, do, are you picking them to win a cup? I yeah. My sneaky pick is the Ducks. I think the Ducks are going to win the yeah, cup. They, and I think Randy Carlisle somehow, some way, is going to have two cups. That's just because you've covered the Leafs for so long. You think all this weird shit's just going to keep happening. They're good. Look at their team. Yeah, they're they're pretty He's good. He's made them probably a bit worse, but their yeah. team is good. Yeah. That's, anyway, but like the weird thing is... I do like Gibson. I think he's got a shot. Okay, but so the weird thing about this is... So we say we both agree that they could conceivably miss. And yet... If they get in, it wouldn't like surprise me if they were a team that went deep and potentially put themselves in the conversation maybe of not winning a cup but threatening a cup. I think even this year, based on what they did, they're probably like the 10th best team in the NHL right now. Sure. And they have cap space. They have the young guys about to get better. So they should be able to push themselves into like the 5-8 to eight conversation, in theory, mm-hmm. if they add. I saw that ta- uh, Bob McKenzie said, Yesterday that they might not add anything on defense, which would be really interesting if they come back with a similar group. Maybe that's setting expectations a little bit by the organization. Well, so hang on. Hold that thought. It just might be hard to add on defense. Let's get to the Bab Sox, Babcock quote of the week. Man, I killed it that time. Uh, so this is kind of Babcock talking about how their season isn't necessarily going to alter their big picture plan uh, for the franchise. You know, I think we've created expectation amongst our fans in our city, and I understand all that. But uh, with Shannon, Lou, and myself, we have a plan here to build a program, and that's what we're going to do. So this isn't going to make us deviate from anything we're doing whatsoever. We're just going to keep building the program. Uh, As you see all the teams in the league, you see how many good teams there are, how hard it is to make the playoffs, and then how lucky and fortunate you have to be with injuries to win the cup in the end. We'd like to put ourselves in a position to do that here uh, one day sooner than later. And so we'll just keep focused on what we're doing and improving our club. Okay, so that's Mike Babcock. He's basically implying that this isn't going to speed up where they are. I'm not sure I entirely buy that. I would think if I was watching this year and I was a manager on that team, I would think, you know what, we have a chance to win soon. How aggressive do you think they should be? I think they should be pretty darn aggressive, don't you? I mean, I think that they should be beating the bushes everywhere they can for where they can find help on defense. Right. I think that the window for them to win opens potentially right away with how good the young players are. Well, and, and the the big picture point is, like, it, it's going to get harder in... So 2019 is when Marner and Matthews will need new contracts. Right. Then it gets hard. Yeah. Because then they're going to be making... Then they're going to be losing guys. Right. And that's, be, when, and that's when you lose... Connor Brown, and that's when you lose Zach Hyman, and that's when, like... Potentially. Potentially. Like, just to compare it to kind of the Chicago thing, that's when you lose Andrew Ladd, and that's when you lose Andrew Shaw, and or that's they, when you lose or Dustin they Bufflin. lose JVR and Bozak, and they can't bring anything in around. Yeah, but fix. those guys are expiring. They're, they're... But you're losing talent. 
You're losing talent. You're losing. Yeah, I guess is the point. Right. And do they have that coming in the young guys that are coming up? You well, know, can Jeremy Bracco and and, and that's guys. Babcock's point. Like that's that's when you have to be really good at developing your own stuff, and that's what they did in Detroit for so long, right? Is they just kept supplementing their talent? Yeah, a lot of Detroit's power was. Before the cap, too, right? Like True. those big years when they could just spend a lot of money and bring in guys, which they also you can't to, do anymore. But they also went to back-to-back cup finals, 08, 09. So. Right. But yeah, you're right. But so you think they should be aggressive. I agree with you. I think they should take advantage of this window. Because like we've, we we sometimes think it takes longer than it does. And I think you've uh, talked... We were to, saying this all yeah. last off-season. Like we, I remember saying this in September. It's like... This could turn pretty fast. Like, it, 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 people were saying five year rebuild and this is going to take forever. And it's, you haven't been paying attention because that's not what, what's been happening in the NHL. Well, part of that is you don't know how good, like, Matthews and Ryan yeah. and are going to be. And when you see that they're this good right away, like, you keep coming back to the Chicago example. The, the, the Hawks won their first one when Taves and Kane, I think, were 20. Like, it happens. Like, and, and you've spoken here. That players hit their peak earlier yeah. than we think. Yeah, and it's if like they're 22, their, 23. So yeah. that's kind of when you need to capitalize. But how do you land... So you, you, you mentioned Bob McKenzie's tweet about potentially not touching the defense. I think uh, it was a radio appearance yesterday. I'm, I'm not sure I buy that that's what they're thinking. I, I guess the reality I of just it don't is, know how that could be possible. Well, I'm sure they're going to try. But what happens if you can't? Then you can't. Yeah, so then you aren't touching it. So you probably don't want to set the expectation that you are for sure going to change the D and then you end up not being able to... That's true. Like, I could see them bringing Matt Hunwick back. Yeah. So then you've got... Matt Hunwick and... Or I don't think they're... Yeah, one of the two. maybe one of them. The injury kind of scares me with Polak a little bit. Sure. I mean, it's unfortunate for him that that's going to affect his free agent status, but that's just... That's the way that it is. Mm-hmm. So... But then you look at what's available on right D in free agency and it's... I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Is there anyone on the team you think is expendable that they could trade for a defenseman that makes sense? Well, you and I talked And Van Riemsdyk? Yeah. Okay, well, we have to get to Bozak because that's part of the equation. Maybe you trade one of the young guys or two of the young guys, but then that kind of hurts your But like not, not the high-end ones, like someone else? Yeah. Kapanen or I don't like I don't know I don't know how I don't know what that gets you that's not getting you a top four defenseman but maybe the expansion situation changes things in that teams that maybe could be losing a guy would be willing to get something in return do you know what I mean yeah like maybe if you know you're going to lose defenseman X you take a prospect that's definitely where they need to be back. they need to be really active around that expansion draft right yeah. and there are teams like Minnesota Anaheim Nashville, who, Nashville like who have a lot of good defensemen. Right. And so maybe if you're David Poyle or let's say you're Bob Murray um, and you look at it and you say, you know what, we're going to lose Josh Manson or whoever. Maybe we trade him. I really for, like him. Maybe we, be, tra- right? So maybe we trade him to, to get a pick and a prospect because we know we're going to lose him anyway. Now we can, pit- we don't have to worry about the pick and the prospect we get from Toronto. So maybe you can, so I, maybe that's maybe you, you can get. move a cap and in, in a second round pick or I don't know. They're going to have to get creative because I don't think you can... If you're going to try to win a cup next year or start to enter that conversation, you need one more D in your top four. Well, at least Manson is like a top four who might potentially turn into more. But I think like the the idea that they're getting a number one is... Well, they should try. Who who is that? Truba or Justin Falk in Carolina. There's a lot of talk Carolina has to move a D to get a forward. Those guys are... 
top pairing D. They're not they're not ace number one D that I'm thinking of. They're at least as good as what they got now. Of course. Yeah. But like I'm talking like but if you the have, idea of getting a Doughty or a Keith or anything like our Yeah, Burns, but there's there's only like ten of those guys in the NHL. Sure. Like you, those guys are number one D. They're just towards the thirty closer to thirty than they are fair. to the ten. Okay, fair enough, yeah. So I don't know. I think if you get a guy like that, that changes the But you're going to have to pay for a guy oh, like that. Oh, for sure. Okay, so what for do you sure. give up to get Truba? I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah. That price is higher than it is to get Manson, or it is to get, yeah. I don't know, Scandella, whoever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hang on. I don't know. It's like, that's why it's such a conundrum. That's why Lamorello and Shanahan and these guys make all this money, because this is where they're going to earn it. You know, this is where the, they're going to make good on what this team is or they're not. But I think the thing is they have time. Mm-hmm. They don't have to bring that player in. Even if they could bring someone like that in midseason or at the trade deadline, and then that pushes everything forward even yeah, more. Yeah, that's fair. Well, so since we're talking about the defense, we're going to talk about this later, but let's talk about it now. Um, I think, and we've discussed it a little bit, but I think what was really important is what they did with Morgan Riley at the end of the year seems to have change for me kind of the big picture of what he is and what he can be it's almost like they put him they've now have him in the role that maybe he should be for the future he looked excellent yeah yeah and he was playing a lot more with austin matthews and i talked to him a little bit about it and he said it's it was quite a bit different yeah well the thing i thought found was interesting that he said is that the coaching staff didn't talk to him about his role changing doesn't surprise me they didn't sit down with him and say, okay, now you're not getting the matchup and whatever. They just kind of just did it. And he said he started to adapt to it. And the longer he's done, he did it, he felt better doing it. And But he was much more noticeable uh, offensively. Well, because what he's good at started to shine through. He's really good at carrying the puck. He's really good at joining the rush. And, and when you're in the offensive zone, he's really good at being part of What's what, going on? What that line sure. was doing, right? The pressure that that line was able to generate. Well, and that makes sense. Like suddenly, he, he all his shifts aren't coming in the defensive zone, going against Crosby or Backstrom or whoever. It's going against second and third lines. I mean, it makes sense that Babcock wanted to try and get him to do that. But when it came down to the end of the year, and were they going to make the playoffs or not? They switched away from that. Well, they were getting killed. Yeah. And so whether that was Riley struggling, whether that was Riley not being healthy, whether that was some Zaitsev, whether that was all of the above, the numbers were just insane. Like, I, I, I'm i trying to remember offhand, I think over a 21-game stretch before he made the switch, they were outscored, I think, 34-14, to 5-on-5. When, when five. they were on the ice, yeah. Like, that's... And and I asked Babcock the day he made the change, like, why did you do it? And he didn't want to get into it. And all he said was, the puck keeps going in the net. Yeah. And some of that, like, when I discuss this with you, some of that is goaltending. The goaltending I looked was, like, sub-900. But there's no denying that they were getting... Some of it was bounces, right? Like, some of it was... Sure. No, but... But when you're outscored by 20 in a 20-game stretch, that's not good. So it's really... They finished the year 12-5-1 and and with Gardner taking the tough matchups. So, well, and it almost puts Gardner in a better position for what he's good at. He's not as good as Riley, I think we'd probably agree... Like as far as creating and although he finished top fifteen, he had forty points. Yeah, yeah. But would you agree with that? Like he, this almost suits Riley better than it suits Gardner. Does that make sense? Playing with better offensive players, no. Yeah, but I guess the question is, they don't really have a guy that suits playing against the top players. 
Yeah, but I don't think Gardner is bad at it. No, I think if he had a better partner, like if you had Truba with him, well, and then suddenly you're second. Eh, yeah, that's better. Yeah, but I think that like I I, I think if they go into next year and their top pair is Gardner, Zaitsev, and they, or Riley and whoever they get, that's a good top four. That's fine. But if you go into next year and you're you've got Riley Carrick or whoever, yeah. The problem is though the is the whoever you get part. <laughs> How do you get them? Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. Well, and, and part of it, like, people have talked about Kevin Shattenkirk. People talk about the Marlies, too. There's nobody in the Marlies that can come up and play right D. There's nobody. Right. Nobody. Well, and Dermot, I Dermot think, is a left D. And Dermot, I think, can play in the NHL. Okay. I, I think he is ready, but probably is a third-pair guy or is a guy that plays half the year. Or... Yeah. Well, and if you're bringing Hunwick back, that means he's not starting the season with them. But Or like, Hunwick starts as your 70. What if Shattenkirk... Says, you know, he'll come here on a two-year deal. Do that? Riley played a lot of right D. I'm not sure that makes sense, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. After watching that series, I don't know that Shattenkirk's what they need. They don't need a guy who can play on their power play, really, to be honest. I don't know, unless you disagree with that. Like, I don't think that that's that's what he's really, really good at. The only thing that entices me about that is that it's in that window where they've got plenty of money to spend and it's not going to hurt them too much to bring him in. And well, Shattenkirk is a good player. Yeah. I think part of what hurt Shattenkirk, he was playing with Brooks Orpik. Sure. He was getting third pair minutes. With... Yeah, and I guess if your second pair is Riley Shattenkirk, that's good. Yeah. It's better than what you have. It doesn't cost you any assets. Right. But I think one of the interesting things that we saw late in the season, actually in the playoffs, which I wonder if you think changes their expansion draft plans... Uh, the guy who started to look better, although not good at certain points, was Martin Marincin. Obviously, he cost oh, them. Man. He made some poor plays that resulted in goals, but he had a better playoff than Connor Carrick. Do you think that changes what they do with the expansion I don't know draft? what you do with Martin Marincin. Who do you protect? Like When he had good games in the playoffs, it's like, okay. He's good. You can see it. Like He, he can skate pretty well, and mm-hmm. he was breaking up a lot of plays. Good penalty and, killer. But then all of a sudden... Like, I don't want to say he cost them the game, but he was part of plays that cost them games. A couple times. Yeah. So who would you protect? Because I think you can protect one <clears throat> of the two. And yet, before you answer, the possession stuff with Carrick when he played with Gardner was always good. I think you have to protect Carrick, don't you? I don't I mean, know. He had a tough, like, final 20 games or whatever, but there's potential there. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that Vegas is going to take Martin Marincin. I mean, he was a healthy scratch for a huge part of the year. You think they're going to take him? I don't know. I mean, who do you take from Toronto if you're not taking? Well, him I think the... they maybe they take someone like uh, Eric Fair, like, like uh, Kirby Reichel. Take a young guy that sure. has some points with the the Marlies. I don't know. They're not going to get anyone really great from the Leafs. Well, the Leafs are well set up for the expansion. Draft. Maybe you're right, and maybe the reason is uh, if you've ever done that. Vegas simulator thing at Cat Friendly. And it used to be at... Well, basically all the, the Cap sites. I think uh, General Fanager had it. Yeah, General Fanager works for Vegas now. Right. It and worked so, out pretty well for him. But so my point is, if you go through and do it, there's millions of good D. D is not going to be their problem. The problem that they're going to have and why they're going to be crap right away is there's no forwards. There's right. nobody. Right. Like, they're going to have, like... They're going to have a bad 
few forward lines. Yeah, it's going to be. But like, they can get a lot of D. And if you're if you're if they're a lot of D, like who's you Nashville's don't need Mark fifth Burns best forward. That's like who they're going to get. So, Anaheim's fifth best. So maybe forward. you don't have to worry about it. Like maybe you're not going to lose either one. Maybe you will lose a forward. I don't know. They, like the other thing is like who are who are the forwards that they're they p- potentially could lose. They're not anyone. No. So. The expansion draft is going to be interesting, but I think from a least perspective, I mean, the the thing is, the way it's set up, you have to lose somebody. Mm-hmm. Every team loses. Somebody. Yeah, everybody team loses somebody. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who everyone protects. I'm glad that they're actually doing that because the NHL is typically yeah they're releasing all of the stuff. lists yeah yeah which they were going to try and not do. They didn't do it in the past. I don't I remember. Can't remember. I don't remember ever seeing a list. Of who was available and exposed. It was always very clandestine. Like, you didn't get to see what was going on. Well, because teams don't want their players to know that they didn't protect them. There's a great book out there by Tom Lynn, who was the assistant GM of the Minnesota Wild when they came into the league. And I've read, I haven't read the whole thing. Sorry, Tom, if you're listening. But, um, and it just talks about the process of building a hockey team from scratch. I think that's the name of the book, how to, how to bake an NHL team from scratch. It's, it's mm. interesting. It's really interesting. Okay, well, you touched on it before, um, and again, the podcast brought to you by Babsox. Um, Hunwick and Polak. Hunlack. So, yeah, I don't do that. Hunlack, attack. So, did I start that? Because I was doing it with a whole bunch probably. of guys. Yeah. You did it with Holzer and some No, else. it was way before that. I did, had Finger and Axelby was Fingleby, like way back when. I guess I wasn't paying attention. I guess I missed that. That was like the beginning of Twitter. Like 2008 Twitter was Fingleby. <laughs> okay. Uh oh, Fingleby's so, on the ice. So you think so Fingleby's Corsi four was probably like 29 percent? Yeah, it would have been fun to have that those numbers. Oh, they're more there. involved. I know, but but we weren't talking about them. Okay, so you think Polak's injury at the end of the year it just scares the me possibility that they bring him back? It just scares me. No, I I think it's still there. Who would you if you were picking between the two? Who do you bring back? Hunwick. Because he's better. Yes. But does the right D thing... Yeah, well, I don't know what they're going to do on right... So, Riley played a lot of right D late in the year and mm-hmm. played well. Maybe there's your right D. Who's your left D, then? Maybe he plays with Hunwick and that's your second pair? <laughs> I don't you're, think... I don't you're think making you're a face. En- you're not good enough if that's the case. And that well, was like one of the lines that Babcock used at the season-ending availability is, we're not good enough. Yeah, he's, he's right. right. Yeah, he's like I right. mean, he he made the point. Like, and it's a really good point. It's all about like how your how what expectations are. He said, you know, if you're another team and you go out in the first round in six games, it's not a successful year. I mean, look at Chicago. Chicago gets swept in the first round. <coughs> They're firing people left and right. And granted, they scored four goals or three goals, and they're yeah, expected to they're win in a, a cup. different stage. Of- but that's the that that was his point. Like their expectations for Toronto are different, and they will change. Like next year, if they don't make the playoffs, it's gonna be a disappointment. It yeah. will be a disappointment. The coverage if, is gonna be a lot different. If they get hammered in four games, it will be a disappointment. Right. So, well, imagine that happens and they don't improve the D. Right. Imagine what the coverage will be like. Why didn't Lamorello get a defenseman? Why didn't Lamorello in the last year of his contract? I'm betting Lamorello gets some sort of two-year two extension. Yeah, That's he, my he was asked about that. Yeah. He's, he wasn't going there. He craftily ducked out of it. I've tried asking him about that before. It doesn't go anywhere. 
He says he's he, just worrying about today. Did you see before his press conference, I took a picture of him at the podium, and I just tweeted, you're not getting nothing. And that was pretty much... It's kind of like it, Lou says words. It, a bunch a of words. Press conference about nothing, like Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on a bit to the forwards. Um, probably the, the biggest news out of that season-ending thing was that William Nylander is not going to play center next year. Do you think that's 100% year. true? Why say it? Maybe he's just saying it because... Well, okay, so that's a good point. Okay, let's say let's say he says he is playing center. Okay, what does that mean? That means teams know that they want to trade Bozak. Right, it means Bozak's gone. Right. And I think that was the mistake he made earlier. Oh, there. you think he was... So he's not doing it again. Well, as soon as he said that a few months ago... Why be definitive? Why not just say we're going to see? He might play center, he might play wing. You think it's spin? I think if it's spin, it's smart. Well, because now you have some of your leverage back. Because if teams know that Nylander's playing center, they know that you need to you move Bozak. You can't have watched Bozak in that playoff series and thought... Like, he he struggled as a third-line center in that series. Well, they're just that's bad one, defensively. That's one area you can upgrade. Yeah, but so... That means that Nylander is your third-line center. Yeah. Which I guess is fine. That's what I would do. But... So you still would trade Bozak? I think yes. I would too, for sure. Yeah, I mean, but the only the only thing is, <clears throat> and it's not the only thing. A, they could go get someone who's better than Bozak to play center. Have you looked at UFA? Yeah, they're they're crap. But H- Hansel, maybe you can trade for someone. I don't know. You're gonna sign Hansel? Okay, but so that's one option. The other so thing, like you have right to consider, now. is Neilander and Matthews were awesome together. Right. That was the other thing I was going to say, is that that could be the other reason why they don't want to move Nylander. But if you put Marner on that line with Matthews, is he going to be not, Yeah, but not suddenly, so this is the problem. Suddenly, you put those two together, you're not as scary. You're scary, but like suddenly, there's two lines I have to match up against instead of three. Like Part of what made them so good at this Except year is... Nylander's your third-line center, so... Yeah, but so who's the second line you're worried about? I guess Kadri? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I guess it. I guess that was part of the element this year, is because you had Neilander and Matthews playing together. So that's only two. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like part of what? Oh, I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> part of what they ran into in Washington is that that Kadri line didn't produce any offense. No, they held them relatively even, but they didn't. That's part of why they got outscored, though, is that the Kadri line didn't really. Kadri had one even strength point in the series, so right. like that line. Is not that dynamic that you have to really worry about it. They're good defensively, mm-hmm. but I mean their forwards really aren't a concern. I I don't know what they're going to do with Bozak and JVR. Do you just bring them back and let them run out their contract? Well, the, that seems like a waste. If you're trying to win and you subtract them, how are you replacing them? Right. Are you getting better? Or are you getting worse? Right. Because if you're replacing Van Riemsdyk with a, they don't have a lot of left wingers. Who can score. And there aren't a lot available. So how are you replacing him? And then if you're replacing Bozak, where are you filling in the puzzle pieces elsewhere? You know what I mean? Right. So maybe you're not as good. So does it make sense, though, to play them out in that lame duck year? And like, I, I, I can't see them bringing either guy back, can you? I can. I talked to James about coming back, and he said he really wants to. And, and I'm sure Bozak does, too. I just don't know that you can have that line. Like, I don't... Yeah. Would we grade that line of Marner, Bozak, Van Riemsdyk a success or just they were really good offensively? Playoffs. They were bad in the playoffs. I mean, they had 
they had stretches this year where they were a really effective third line that was taking advantage of other teams. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason, and I haven't run all the numbers on this, I think part of the reason the Leafs were much better against weaker teams than they were against really good teams. I think part of it is lines like that were able, when they're playing other teams that don't have good third lines, that line was able to beat up on them. Right. It was either that line or the Matthews line was going against third and fourth lines that were on bad teams mm-hmm. that didn't have depth. And the, the Leafs were running over. You look at their record against non-playoff teams, it was outstanding this year. Hmm. I wonder what that tells us, that they're maybe not as good as... It's one indication that like they don't match up that... I mean, we already know that, but they don't match up that great against a Washington. Well, but so if you when put... Washington shortened their bench and Trot stopped playing his fourth line the last three games of the series... All of a sudden, Washington was only putting out three good lines. Mm-hmm. The Eller line played really, really well at the end of the series. The Leafs really didn't have an answer for that. Right. But so if you put Nylander at center, um, who do you play with Matthews? Marner? Yeah. And then Or Brown, I guess, if you think Brown can do it. Yeah. They did I guess that, that, at some that, point that still year. makes you a, a dangerous team and still scary. How much do you read into Marner's playoff performance? I think that he was hurt or sick or both. I think he was just completely worn out. That's what I think it was. Because yeah. in the second half, he wasn't the same. The beginning player. of the year, he looked fantastic. Yeah. I thought but, he had a great first. Training camp, he looked outstanding. He was In training camp, he was one of the most impressive players, I thought, in preseason. Mm-hmm. Very dynamic. He just lost that gear that he has. Yes, that's a good He was so tenacious in the first... I remember just watching the first five games of the season... He was hounding the puck all over the ice. He and, would lose it, and he would just like aggressively try right. to get back. Yeah. And he just lost that. I think he just didn't have a lot of energy by the end of it. And part of it, Matthews talked about this, and this was in my story at the Athletic last night. Matthews just said that you have to learn how to eat and sleep, and like basically just like survive a season like that. And in, I feel like that in the media. That's why that's why I'm losing my voice because I'm a bit sick, just because like it's such a grind. And for those guys, it's even more so, obviously, because of the physical nature of it and a lot of these young guys aren't eating particularly well mm-hmm. you know there's a story about Marner lives with his mom and his mom feeds him everything and he wants to eat crap all the time and well the thing you, you have to remember and uh I kind of have to remind myself too he's 19 like right. he is a kid right and they were he just they were riding around on junior hockey buses and they're not they're professionalized more maybe than junior hockey players were 10 years ago but they're still not 100% there so I think there are things that and Marner's a really slight guy, too. I mean, like, yeah. if he's in the grind of a season and he's playing four games in eight days and he's not eating right and he doesn't sleep because they're on the plane or whatever and he loses five pounds, that's a bigger impact on him than, than on Matthews, who's, you know, almost 220. He's, who's a man. Yeah. Well, but do Built you, like a man anyway. Do you think we, when we're looking at Marner, do you think you have to put in the equation, too, that he's the one who really has to make that line go? Like the difference yeah. with, when we look at Neilander, Neilander had an awesome second half and a really good year and a really good playoff, but he's got Matthews. Like they can kind of work off each other. If that line is going, the Marner one, it's Marner who has to be the driver. Right. I wonder if like Marner wants a shot at playing with. Oh, I'm Matthews. sure he I'm does. I'm sure he does. I'm sure they both would like to play with each other. They but, see they're closer friends than Neilander is with. Yeah, well, yeah, it sure seems like it. Yeah, like which doesn't matter, but no, but I'm sure that they would relish that opportunity. Yeah, that's why it makes so much sense to move Bozak out and move Nylander down. Like that's just an easy 
switch you can make. Because then and it some... opens up a lot of cap room, and it potentially improves your roster while also opening cap room. Yeah. Even if you flip Bozak for a, de- a depth defenseman, then maybe it... I don't know. Well, because then suddenly your lineup looks something like this. You could have Hyman, Matthews... Marner. Marner. You could have Komarov, Kadri, Sashnikov, or Kapanen, or whoever. And then you could no, have... Brown. I would probably keep Right. Him. I guess you have Brown, and then you have Nylander, Kapanen, and somebody. Right? Something like that? JVR, I guess, unless... I mean, that's a dangerous third line if you have JVR, Nylander, Kapanen. Right. You got the two but speedy the, guys to carry the puck. and Yeah. I'll be curious to see what they do with Nylander, because Babcock never seemed completely sold on the idea, and yet you can't really get away from the fact that they were awesome together. Sold on the idea of playing them together? I don't know. Like it, It's the same thing with Edmonton and McDavid and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl's a center, but like they have kept him on right wing um, with McDavid because they're amazing together. Right. But the problem is the rest of their lineup just isn't as good. Right. That's so, the balance with a lot of teams, right? And that's what Babcock wanted. Like, Babcock's idea was, I can have someone driving each line. And that's why, like, if I'm Mitch Marner, I would take it as a compliment that he didn't play with me with Matthews because he's basically saying, you can do it yourself. Like, I don't need to put you with X. So. Who did, by the it's, way. It's funny that that line needs a driver. That used to be the Leafs' first line. Well, that's when you're not a good team. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Who did you have... Um, in terms of Calder Trophy voting, Marner ahead of Nylander or Nylander no, ahead of Marner? No, I had Nylander. I think I had Nylander fifth, though. Um, yeah, that's. I'm trying to remember if I had him fifth or Marner fifth. I did Matthews, Line. No, I think I did Matthews, Warinsky, Line A, Murray, Nylander. Yeah, that's pretty close to what mine was. So you have Warinsky. It doesn't really matter. I had Warinsky Matthews, third. Matthews going to destroy gonna the whole thing, like. The only first place votes would probably be a couple guys in Winnipeg or something yeah. that don't pick Matthews. Yeah. Or maybe some Pittsburgh guys will pick Murray or something. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, they're, they're supposed to announce the Jack Adams, so by the time you're listening to this, they probably will. What time per- do they do it at? I don't know. Noon? Probably soon. If you're betting right now, do you think he gets one of the They've nominations? They've been announcing them at night, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they do weird things. Do you think he gets one of them, Babcock? Yes. Really, alongside Tortorella and... I think McClellan's going to be there for Edmonton. Interesting. He's a super popular guy. With the media, you mean? And the team made a huge improvement. Those are the three Those were the three most improved teams year over year in the standings. It was one Edmonton... No, it was one Columbus, two Toronto. No, two... Edmonton, I think, was two. A, even more. Because yeah. they were only one point back of Toronto and they, they made a bigger jump. They had 70 points, right. Yeah. Hmm. Last year, they were only one point ahead of Toronto. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. A um, couple other things. With I don't think Babcock's going to win it. I think he I think he should probably be closer than he's going to be. Should he win it? He should definitely win a Jack Adams at some point. Dude, Riley said yesterday that even though we were last place last year, that he should have been in the running for it. I agree. But I also don't like when we, when we with awards, say, this guy hasn't won it, so he should win one, which is what happened with Drew Doughty last year. Why hasn't Drew Doughty won an award? Let's make sure he gets one. Stupid. So with the heart, I kind of want to see Crosby win this year, just because I think he should have won more of them than he than he should have. But well, McDavid's going to win this year. It's possible, like he's going to finish runner up back to back years. It's likely he finishes back to back right runner ups. Right. And yet, I would have had him as the MVP last year over Kane. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
Brian Boyle. Points, man. Stupid. Points. That's why Carey Price getting the third place for the Vesna or one of the nominations? Come on. Yeah, anyway. but the GMs vote on the Vesna. I know. Because well, the they probably like, just look at save percentage one, two, well, three. I don't even know if they look at they probably look at goals against average. Right. Okay. Um fourth they line center. Look at plus minus. Stop interrupting. <laughs> Brian Boyle, fourth line center. That's do you tired. think they should bring him back? Or what do you think they should do? Yes, with that I think spot? they should bring him back. Yes. For like a two year deal? Five yeah. six million? Something yeah. like that? Yeah. I would try and get him at under. I would try and get him at like two point seven. If you have to go three years, maybe you think about doing it. Yeah. Well, he really showed his value in the playoffs. Like he, his you know, faceoffs. You know, yeah. All that stuff. The fourth line looked, was usable. I thought he looked points. really good. He's yeah. got that huge long stick. He's a massive guy out there. He's, he's like Chara in how much ice he takes up. Yeah. Like it's. It's not like he's that much bigger than like a JVR. Like, but he is. Yeah. When I saw him the first time, like in the dressing room, he's like the Hulk or something. He's humongous. He's, yeah, he's a big, especially big when guy. he's on skates. Yeah, like he's six six. And but he, he makes really effective use of that size. It's right. not. It's not like size that is just there. He's his wingspan really helps him, and the long stick, and he wins a lot of puck battles just by being able to reach around a guy and corral the puck. He's he's a lot for teams to handle, mm-hmm. either on the forecheck or in the defensive zone. Um. I think that I saw him right when they got him in San Jose. He came over and he was just mentally and physically exhausted. And I think it took him two weeks to really adjust the idea that this is my team now. And he was playing hard, but he had nothing in the tank there those first few games. Well, and he had a pregnant wife. Right. That's not easy. Your life just gets flipped upside down. And he he really put his heart, I think, into Tampa. Sure. You know, they thought that was going to be a big year, and they went all the way to the final, and all these things. But I think once he recalibrated, that the young players on the Leafs really, really, really looked up to Brian Boyle and really admired him. Well, and you try not to read too much stuff into that, but you could see it just being around the dressing room that he yeah. brought a presence that they really, really did not have. He filled this big hole in, yeah, yeah like they, being like a Papa Bear for the the whole dressing room kind of. It was like bringing in, uh, yeah your beloved uncle or big brother or something. And then, yeah. And Babcock said that he would say things on the bench. And the, the what I was going to say, though, is that one of the most effective things that Brian Boyle was able to bring was he made Matt Martin useful. Hmm. He made Matt Martin spend a lot more time in the offensive zone. And Matt Martin in that contract were a black hole for a lot of the year. But if all of a sudden he's a 52 or a 55% possession player... And he's getting in there and he's grinding. And that cycle that they had going, it's like all of a sudden, okay, I can see Matt Martin has some value now. So right. they're getting more out of that $2.5 million. Or he's not could... a negative. Right. He's just even. But they were scoring some goals. and Well, I think there's more offense from Brian Boyle than we saw. Yes. So. But so I, don't know if he, I don't know how much. He said he wants to come back. I don't know how true that is. Well, I can totally see him going back to Tampa. Right. But apparently their cap crunch is so bad that they might not be able to make that happen. They might not be able to pay him two and a half. Well, and that's kind of instructive um, for the Leafs as this thing goes along. Yeah. It's really, really important, the contracts that you sign. And I forgot to ask you this earlier. We've talked about it on here before, but it seems expected that at some point in the next little while, Zaitsev's contract will get done. Yes. I still don't... Don't be surprised if that's announced in the next few days. I still don't buy into the idea of it. Still don't no. think it makes sense to give seven years to Nikita Zaitsev. Like him, but don't don't agree with the idea. I think that the reality is is that 
this is the only option. No, that's not true. He's a restricted. This is free the only agent. option if you want to keep him. But that's I don't agree with those ideas. Like that. So what are you going to do? Do a holdout with him? Let sure. Him, What's he going to do? Him just go sign in. Well, he's going to so, go to Russia. So leave. Yeah. But like, if if your two options don't pick, like they're both not great options. But okay, so what what dollar figure would you sign him for seven years for? What number would it make sense at? Three and a half, four, four. Okay, four so max. if he signs for four point two five at seven years, I know. It, What's is the it difference? worth it? That's why that that's where I've come down to on this. Is like I just don't like seven years for. I know, but him. I don't like seven years for most guys. Like I wouldn't. I think what they're thinking is that when he outlives his usefulness and they try and send him to the minors, he goes back to the KHL and he said doesn't count on their cap and like okay. he, he's a guy you can disappear easier than most players. I fair. think that's what they're thinking. That might be fair. So when he's twenty eight or twenty nine, if he's not a top four D and he's making that money, so you're telling me that see you if, later. if you say to him or his agent. Four years or five years, he's going to say, I'm going back to Russia? Really? That's what's going to happen? No, he's going to say, I want $5 million a year. Okay, so we, you say no. He wants to play in the NHL. Like, yeah, uh, I know. I, I know there's this idea that he, he wants to be here. He likes... like. Well, kudos to his agent for getting him a seven-year deal if that's what happens. I, I agree with you. I mean, I would like to see Zaitsev get a two- or a three-year deal just to see what he is a little bit more because I'm not convinced. And I think he played. Good. He played with... I think he's okay. Yeah. But like, is he an elite defenseman? No, he's probably a middle of the road guy. He's probably number four or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I guess if they get that defenseman, that's what he becomes. But I just don't know why you need a number four signed to a seven-year contract. So, um, but like to to the Tampa example, maybe they think he's better than we think he is. I guess maybe they do. That's part of it. Babcock seems to love him. Yeah. And uses him everywhere. Um. And and he wasn't right clearly after coming back from that concussion. No. Um, he admitted that, but but Tampa is a really good example. Like even with some of the jujitsu kind of stuff that Eiserman has done, like the Kucherov hey, contract ah. is insane, and still they're in this position. And they're going to have to pay him the next. Toronto's going to like have to really be. Didn't they give Kucherov a two-year deal? Three-year deal. Yeah, three or four. And he took. And it was big. like ridiculous month. Like it was yeah. like four and a half, which is insane. Right. There's no way that Toronto's going to be able to do that with Neander. Right. I wouldn't think. No. No, it's going to get really hard for them. Like well, very, very fast. You, uh, when we did this before, and we were talking about their second contract. We were talking about Marner being the one that was going to be a bigger problem. Now all of a sudden, Nylander had such a good last thirty games. It's like, wow, this this guy's probably worth seven and a half million dollars a year, or, and the, or whatever. And the issue is, Nylander's going to get it first. Yes. So whatever Nylander gets, if yes. they choose to go long, Marner's going to look at it and say, I've I have better numbers or the same numbers as him. Getting the same. close. Yeah. Well, he's going to have one more year where he's going to have better numbers. Right. Because Neilander is that first year, last Where's year. the Marlies? It counts. So right. that's interesting to me. Um, last, I think it's the last thing that I've got on my list. Um, what do you expect for some of those guys next year? Do you expect Matthews to put up the same type of numbers, drop off a little bit, Neilander and Marner, some of those other rookies? Do you think? That there will be some fall off, and if so, where? I think from the big guys, no. I think they're either going to be the same or better. I think Matthews is going to be better. I think he was tired this year. I think he got worn down. Well, I did like a quick story after the uh, season-ending thing. It was two years basically nonstop. Yeah, he goes Switzerland, then he goes to Worlds. 
Then he has the draft. Then well, he has the World Cup. I don't know if he was there for it, but he said he's only been home for three weeks in the last 20 months. Okay, there you go. I wish Since I, he went to Switzerland. I wish I had that nugget in my story. You've got to read my story at The Athletic. I've got all this stuff. There's no time. I didn't have that's time. The top, that's the top of, my, the whole make... top of my story is about how exhausted he was because he... So he's only been home. He, he hasn't seen his sisters basically hardly at all. Right. His sisters are... He's got an older one and a younger one. They've basically grown up two years without him and barely seen him. So... He, um, we asked him what he's going to do somewhere. He's like, I'm just going home. And he sounded like someone who had been on like a foreign exchange for a couple of years, which he kind of has been. He's been all, yeah. you know, Canada is a different country for him. And he's just, he's got a very strong family support structure. He's very, very close with his parents and his sisters and his grandparents and everybody there and his extended family in Mexico. And he wants to be a part of that again. So I think he just, you're right. His his season was ridiculous. He played, I think, 105 games is what I added it up to. If you include the World Cup, World Championships last year, so I had it at like 100 since September, close to there. Yeah, it was like the schedule was just or insane, yeah. right? So that's a lot of hockey. Well, 82 plus six playoffs is 98 plus four. Uh, no, you did your math wrong. 82 plus six in the playoffs that's is 88. 88. Plus four preseason games, plus three uh, uh, World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah, but then I think he had World Cup ninety-five games. plus All Star game. That doesn't count. Multiple. But, actually, games. I didn't include that, but that All Star weekend, like that's tiring. And I was there. I watched him. He was like, he was a big celebrity at that thing. So that's tiring. Too. That seemed to be when he started to fade. Yeah. Well, a lot of guys After will that. tell you. I, I talked to Braden Holby during the year. He told me one of the things he learned is or he experienced the year before, is the All-Star game it just exhausted him. Like, it wasn't a break. Because you're, you're bouncing from event to event to event. And you're going back to your team, and then you're playing every other night, basically. So you're just tired. And he had to fly time. all the way across the country to do it this time. Right. right? So my, in my story, which you didn't read. I haven't read yet. You'll read at some point. I will. So I included a chart of possession for Matthews during the year, and you can see where he gets tired. There's like a big, huh? there's a big dip. Two weeks after the All-Star break where he just... I was with him on that California trip. That's when the dip started and he just looked bagged. He looked so tired. And Do you expect him to score 40 goals again? Uh, well, see, that's going to come down to things like shooting percentage and stuff like that. So maybe he has... I think he's going to be 35 plus and I think he's going to have more assists. I, I think guess it have, depends on who they play him with. Yeah. In part. I think he'll probably have more power play points. That's one of the things. Because he's a bit low on the power play points yeah. for some reason. Especially with his goals. I think Which, 32 were even strength. Yes. I think that was a bit of an anomaly mm-hmm. that he didn't produce more in the power play. So I think he's going to have more points and he's going to be high 30s at least. But I could see him getting 45 goals. Like I think he's got more to give in the goals department. I did, like Trying to predict it's going to happen next year is... You're guessing. Yeah. But I think at some point in his career, he's going to, have to be a 45-50 goal guy. Who do you think is more likely to fall off next year, Marner or Neander? I think it's going to depend on what they do with the roles. Yeah. And who they play with who, right? If Marner plays with Matthews, then maybe he takes a big jump. and Maybe then all of a sudden we're saying, well, maybe Neander wasn't that much better. Maybe he was just playing with Matthews. Or... Do you know one of the quiet statistics of the year was? That Connor Brown had 20 goals. He played well. He played. He had a good year. Yeah, he's a good defensive player. Well, if you're looking in their rookie rankings, so it goes Matthews, Neal, Marner. Who's their fourth best rookie? Hyman or 
Brown are gonna, or Zaitsev? People are going to say Zaitsev, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. But he's 25, so... And about to be 26 in October. No, it's... It, I, I'm interested to see what contracts Hyman and Brown get. Two years free. Those are the guys you probably put the screws to and try and keep the number really low. Two or three years? The yeah. thing, The thing... The, the issue somewhat with Hyman is as they get better, he should fall lower in the lineup. Conceivably. Except probably Mike. I thought he was good in the playoffs. He was really good in the playoffs. He stepped up and played well. Yeah. yeah. Except Mike loves him in that right. role. Right. So. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Nope. <laughs> Put the leaves to bed for... I'm so I'm tired, man. Yeah, I feel much. like Austin Matthews. I've been at almost every single game since mid-February. I'm not used to that. Yeah. You, I know you did it for years, but yep. to do it when you have a two-year-old and you're flying all around and you're trying to run a website is it's this has easy. been a very crazy two months for me. All right. Well, so we will reconvene. I'm going back to bed after this. When are we going to reconvene? The expansion draft, maybe before that. I'll I think probably we should be do there. it before that. Okay. Like, we should do um, we should do something during the playoffs, and we'll talk about the playoffs a little bit and how the Leafs fit into the picture and what we're seeing in the games and. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to Ottawa, and for some reason, I think Ottawa's going to beat the Rangers. I don't think Ottawa's that good, and yet I don't think the Rangers are that good. I don't either. think the Rangers are that good. Yeah. So, are, are you going to keep covering? Are you going to cover the third round if Ottawa keeps going? Yeah. Me and, so me and Dion have, will be back again. You might have a long yes. spring, and then it'll be well when you're in to town. We'll try and do a podcast. Yeah, before I go see Pittsburgh play Anaheim in the Cup. That's when I'll. That's what you think's happening? That's when I'll come back. Yeah. I got Washington, Nashville. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. But you, you don't like Pecorine? Just Jake Allen is just like, I don't know what he, what impersonation he's doing, this Martin Brodeur. But I like, could definitely see this year so wide like open, it. I could see a St. Louis in the final. And I don't year. think they're great. Could be like a Blues-Penguins. I just don't understand how a guy can be this hot for this long. Yeah. Who wasn't? Who's just like a guy? Like who's he's a fine goalie, but like a middle of the road guy who's suddenly like nine fifty for like three months. Yeah, well, so. that's what that's goaltending for you. Yeah, if, imagine if the Leafs would have gotten that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that more next time. Okay, so the podcast has been brought to you all season long, or most of the season, by Babsocks. Visit babsocks.ca, uh, and we will be back soon. Thanks for tuning in to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle.